Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, October 31st, and this is your FT News Briefing. Israel is pushing deeper into Gaza, and it seems like the U.S. auto worker strike is coming to an end. Plus, the head of Alphabet testified before the U.S. Department of Justice yesterday. We'll take a look at how the antitrust case is going. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The Israeli military said it deployed more troops, armor, and artillery into Gaza yesterday, and that it killed dozens of Hamas militants while fighting in the territory. This is part of its expanded ground presence in Gaza that Israel has been signaling for weeks. The FT's defense and security correspondent, John Paul Rathbone, is here to explain the latest phase of the war. Hi, JP. Hi, Mark. JP, I think it would help people understand this conflict better if they knew more about the two armies? How would you describe Hamas and Israel's armies? So Hamas can count on around 30,000, 40,000 fighters. They have a large arsenal of rockets and anti-tank weapons. It's essentially a guerrilla warfare. Against them, you've got the Israeli army, the most powerful military force in the Middle East. It has 170,000 troops, some of them are conscripts, and it's just called up 360,000 reserves. So it's an incredibly asymmetric fight. So Israel has a lot more people fighting for them. Given that, JP, how does Hamas plan to fight? So Hamas's approach is to equalize it to the best of its ability by playing to its own strengths and Israel's weaknesses. And Basically, it does that one of two ways. The first way is to inflict harm on Israel by firing rockets into Israeli territory. And then in Gaza itself, it goes on the defensive and tries to force Israeli forces down to street, gritty street-level fighting where Israel's technological superiority doesn't count for as much. It also has this extraordinary network of underground tunnels, about 400 kilometers of tunnels, so they can shelter from Israeli airstrikes there. They're also quite well provisioned, and the assumption is that they can hold out for quite a long time. You know, the only thing worse than urban fighting is to fight in a city which is half rubble, because then every hole in a wall, every blown-out window becomes a possible sniper point. So urban fighting is an extremely difficult theater of, of war, and that is where Israeli forces are going into now, and that's what Hamas forces are busy defending. JP, sometimes it feels like we don't have a full picture of what's happening on the ground in Gaza. Why is that the case? I mean, what makes it so difficult to know what's happening? So it's useful to compare it, say, to the Russia-Ukraine conflict, where there there are regular briefings by Western allied militaries about the what's going on on the battlefield. Uh, there's often very good videos and and images and commentary uploaded from both sides onto social media, especially Telegram channels. In Gaza, by contrast, over the weekend, there was no electric power, for example, and a communications blackout. So there isn't that same source of local information. That leaves you pretty much beholden to what the Israeli Defense Forces are saying and snippets here and there about Hamas. 
as always in war, everyone is lying, everyone is putting their best foot forward. And propaganda plays a huge role by both sides and twisting the facts. The whole thing is just extremely messy. John Paul Rathbone is the FT's defense and security correspondent. Thanks, JP. Thanks. One of the biggest labor strikes in the history of the U.S. automotive industry is nearing its end. The United Auto Workers Union and General Motors reached a tentative deal on Monday. It would end a six-week strike that also hit American car companies Ford and Stellantis. GM's deal is similar to the tentative agreement that the UAW struck with Ford last week, and it is a big win for workers. Sources say it includes a 25% hourly pay raise over four years. Meanwhile, Stellantis reached a deal over the weekend. The labor stoppage has put a real dent in these companies. Ford, for example, said when it reported earnings last week that the strike had cut $1.3 billion from its operating earnings. Alphabet CEO Sundar Pichai testified yesterday in one of the biggest antitrust cases in decades. The U.S. Department of Justice is accusing the company of boxing out competition when it comes to its Google search engine. The FT's Stefania Palma has been covering the case. Hey, Stefania. Hi, Mark. So lay it out for us again. What exactly is the DOJ accusing Google of? Basically, the DOJ has accused Google of maintaining a monopoly illegally when it comes to the internet search market. And essentially, they're saying that they're doing so primarily via agreements that they have put together with uh, tech groups, smartphone makers, even mobile telecoms companies that basically ensure that Google's search engine is the default on smartphones and browsers. How did CEO Sundar Pichai respond when he testified yesterday? So he definitely acknowledged that these agreements in some scenarios are and can be very valuable for Google. And if also, he said, done correctly, they can make a difference. Uh, But he also really sought to stress that this can also benefit users. It can even benefit the counterparties that these contracts are crafted with and that basically there there was no wrongdoing on on the company's part. So... What should we be looking out for as the likely outcome, Stefania? There are a lot of questions around this case. We still have not reached the point where the DOJ has to formally set out the kinds of remedies that it wants to seek. And it's not necessarily clear which party has the upper hand as of now. But it's a remarkable time for antitrust uh, in the U.S. Uh, Generally speaking, we are just seeing, even beyond big tech, uh, just a string of extremely high-profile cases, some of them including uh, monopoly accusations in a way that has rarely happened in the last few decades when the antitrust policy uh, approach in the U.S. was far more laissez-faire. So it's really a potential major tipping point for how we think uh, about uh, competition and market concentration in the big tech sphere. Stefania Palma is the FT's U.S. legal and enforcement correspondent. Thanks, Stefania. Thank you. Before we go, Elon Musk is probably having some buyer's remorse right now. Okay, we don't know that for sure, but given that his company X, formerly known as Twitter, has lost billions of dollars in value, 
he's probably not thrilled. Sources told the FT that an employee stock plan sent out on Monday gives the company an equity valuation of $19 billion. That is a lot less than the $44 billion Musk bought it at. X has struggled to bring in revenue after a lot of marketers pulled their ad dollars last year. They were worried about Musk's plan to relax content moderation on the platform, which has turned out to be a valid concern. Misinformation has become a huge problem on the site. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com for free when you click the links in our show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business whether it's a local operation or a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.